welcome to selfdiscoveryradio.com, where we bring you insightful, liberating, intuitive people from around the globe. They share their life's journeys and experience wisdom to guide you on your own discovery of self. Each week from Tuesday to Monday, we will bring you new shows on our many genres, and with over 1,400 shows, we have the answers for you. Enjoy your listening on selfdiscoveryradio.com. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Choose Positive Living. I am your host, Sarah Troy, and my guest today is Matea Patia, a French name, beautiful name. And we're going to be talking about when East and West meets for healing. Um, there is no one answer. It's not just in the West. It's not just in the East. It is uh, a combination and a collaboration between healing uh, that really heal us. And we also need to understand that healing isn't always medicine. Very often it's just support. It's love. It's understanding. It's nurturing. And we need to allow that because if we don't heal the psyche, we're not going to heal the body. Matea is uh, very, very licensed. She's a marriage and family therapist, a stress management coach, a spiritual counselor, a certified uh, neurolinguistic uh, practitioner. She's also the co-founder of Holistic Coaching International, a mind-body-spirit coaching practice designed to help individuals to achieve more balance in their life. Her passion is to help people heal from abuse, trauma, and challenging relationships. She also helps you get rid of that stress in just a matter of a few sessions. Now, you can't be a good coach or counselor unless you've been through it yourself. And she has been through it. This is her journey, and this is the reason why she chose this path. So we're going to take a little journey with her today and discover um, what it is that brought her to her her roots at the present moment, her calling. She's written a book, a journey, a, My Journey to Self-Discovery. Of course, I love that, being on Self-Discovery Radio. And it is a journey into discovering ourselves. And in that discovery, honoring the gift that we were given, what we're meant to be doing here, that meaningful purpose in life, and embracing all that we're meant to be, not what life dictates us to be, but what living participating and immersing ourselves into life will show us we are. So without any further ado, let's bring on Matea and take her journey with her and discover how she came to doing what she does today and the impact that it's had not only on her own life but on the lives of the peoples that she touches. Welcome to the show, Matea. Thank you so much, Sarah, and thank you so much for this beautiful introduction. And, you know, I totally agree with you. You know, healing is on all levels. And, and it's I always believe in the connection between mind, body, and spirit. So thank you so much for having me today. My pleasure. And it, it is, it is, you know, unfortunately, Western medicine is absolutely brilliant at fixing you or replacing parts on you. Uh, but they're not very good at maintaining health or treating the whole body. And when people get sick they think the sickness is in that one area and they don't realize it is the entire body that is in stress you know the mind the psyche the soul the body the spirit and that if we don't address the whole we're not going to get to the root of the problem and we're certainly not going to be able to heal it are we that is absolutely true and you know coming to coming from European background I also have a little bit different ideas. I mean, I'm not saying it's perfect, but for example, I grew up in a village, you know, where we had a lot of support and we had our own garden, vegetables. So I think it says so much about that, that we need to really think about what we eat and what we drink and also what we think about because mm -hmm. this is all related. And I've really been an advocate for and that's why my website is natural stress management because I really believe there is so much we can do without necessarily relying on medication and of course sometimes medication is necessary even in mental health field sometimes when people are really struggling with are in crisis or they have a really debilitating mental illness but sometimes when we we start healing and and you know, unfortunately, many times what I've seen is, you know, people just go to a psychiatrist who just prescribe the medication 
and they don't deal with the root causes, what brought us on. And for me, that is number one. We need to understand ourselves and, you know, what happened to us. And usually the roots are really long. And if you believe in past lives, you know, it can be even past lives. But mm -hmm. staying in the present life, it's so crucial what kind of beliefs we grew up, what kind of emotional environment where our parents who do the best they can, you know, it, it really affects our whole life, our whole relationships, how we relate to people. Do we trust people? How are we successful in life? So I think that's why it's so important to understand ourselves. And like you said, it's a journey and we are always on the journey. We never stop. And, and the more we are able to understand what brought us to this point and how we can heal and let go. My big thing is, which is my motto, motto is from victimhood to reclaiming your authentic self. And this is the most beautiful thing. When we finally, you know, meet again with our true self that we, because of our defense mechanism, because how we grew up was kind of uh, hidden from us. So I love taking my clients on this journey to, you know, back to the core of who they are. Mm -hmm. I remember once uh, interviewing a, um, a psychotherapist and she said, you know, I've been doing this for so long and I realized um, uh, we have to change the name. And she changed it to sacral uh, therapist. And, uh, you know, we need to look at our sacred selves, uh, you know, look at our entire spiritual psyche, our very core of our divine being and start healing it from that level and stop approaching it from the surface down. You know, you need to really open everything up and understand what is the root cause that is affecting your sacredness. Because when you're in sacred harmony, you're in balance with life. When you're not, every single part of you is going to be disrupted. Yes, and that's absolutely true. And actually, you know, we, we started talking about, we will talk about it a little bit later, but because of my own trauma and abuse that I went through all my life, basically until I was 25, I felt so hopeless and helpless. And then finally, when I moved to the U.S., I started really working on myself and working with a therapist. But at one point, I just realized I'm not making any more progress because as good that, you know, psychotherapy has its place still, but I think that it's not enough. And we cannot really go deep enough like with some of these techniques that I'm doing we're going to be talking about like energy medicine conscious medicine and research shows that our trauma even it's not in our consciousness maybe we we don't have the memories because it was too traumatic but the trauma stays within ourselves on our cellular level and that's why mm -hmm. I really felt and I've been always um wanted to give my clients the best tools so I studied this top behavioral techniques including neurolinguistic programming because then people start remembering start uncovering the pain and and unfortunately sometimes things get worse before they get better because we need to uncover that pain and those memories so we can finally heal I almost say it's like you know you if you want to have a strong foundation in the house, you have to make sure that you have the basic structure and you get rid of, you know, basically garbage. <laughs> yeah. If you try to put good and nice things on top of the garbage, it's not, not going to work. Yeah, the Band-Aid solution, it doesn't work at all. And, and, you know, this is the thing is a lot of the time things are, you know, treating the symptoms and not looking at what is the cause. And so, you know, let's take your journey into, into your trauma. Uh, I always believe that the journey that we have leads us to our meaningful purpose of what we're meant to do in life. And we have to go through it in order to understand what it is we need to teach or heal or do. But what was your trauma that um, led you on this path? Sure. Yeah, that's a, this is a big part of me, who I am. And before I started this healing work, I was just kind of upset with the world. And why me? You know, we... we sometimes start as a victim so what happened to me and I grew up in a part of the world as you may know there's a lot of violence and wars I grew up in uh, Eastern Europe in Yugoslavia and the northern part is Slovenia where I'm from and 
For example, my grandfather that I never met, he was in the partisan movement. And when I was doing the family tree and trying to understand the dynamics, especially when I went to my graduate school, it really became crystal clear to me that I'm here, I'm called to break the cycle in my family. Because on my mom's side of the family, men have been uh, violent, abusive, alcoholics. And unfortunately, my grandfather, that, like I said, I never met, he was in the partisan movement and he, he suffered from PTSD and all, you know, it's, it's self-medication and mental illness in my family. And nobody, it was like a top taboo, now nobody would even talk about it. And um, in my own family, like on my mom's side, my mom had two brothers, and one of them was fortunate enough, uh, he was also an alcoholic, that he got help. And, and he really recovered. Unfortunately, the other uncle, he died at 40 out of throat cancer. And that was really bad, bad situation. And, and um, with my mom, I mean, I was always like trying to find answers. So when I was talking to healers and coaches, and I realized now even talking to one of your guests that was on the show, Michael Bradford, mm -hmm. and... I realized that my mom was very young. She was like 20, 21 when my parents got married. And it was really not a love marriage. I'm not sure. But um, my mom um, grew up in a violent home. I was told that she had to run away from, you know, in the middle of the night because my grandfather was so violent. So there's a lot of trauma already there in the family and generational trauma mm -hmm. and I think what happened my mom was so young so when she was pregnant with me she had a lot of anxiety and jealousy insecurities fighting with my dad and and you know there was already before I was born I was predestined to be a very anxious and a very highly sensitive child and and I think my mom just didn't heal, and, and I think she had undiagnosed bipolar depression because she would get in a really, you know, she could be the most wonderful person one day, and then she would be turning to an almost like an evil rageaholic, and, and that was the most difficult part for me. And in some ways, um, I could say I had a normal childhood, but I remember... Even as a child, there was a lot of anxiety. I was wor always worrying about everything, my grades. and But the things really got worse when I turned 15 because I think that I was just um, too good, so to speak. I was a straight-A student. I never went anywhere. I had one best friend. And then when I turned 15, I went to high school. And that's where everything happened because I wanted to date. I wanted to have a boyfriend. And that's where all the beating started. And that was the worst. I mean, I don't wish this upon anybody. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's that's where, in a way, I realized that I'm on my own. Um, like my, my, what made it even worse because my father was basically absent and my mom was the one who, so to speak, wore pants in the house. She was very controlling. I could never be good enough for her. And uh, I had a younger sister, and it's almost like, <laughs> seems like we grew up in two different homes because I was the firstborn and she was the secondborn. And I was the only one who went through the abuse, so my sister doesn't even recognize that. And um, just to give you an idea, the worst thing was when I was 17, already and we went on vacation and I was dating somebody there and she wouldn't let me go out even though we were on vacation so I came home a little bit late and she was waiting for me with a belt and and at that day at that day I thought I'm gonna die because she hit me so hard with the belt I couldn't walk for three days while my dad didn't do anything and I couldn't be even talking to you about this right now if I didn't do all my healing work on myself yeah and 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 the last thing that really helped, although I always say it's ongoing, but the last thing that really helped was um, seeing a therapist who did EMDR work. And that's where I was finally able to 
share this what I'm sharing with you right now without even crying or you know I, I couldn't even talk about this for many years because it was so painful so yeah, that's I mean, kind of the gist. Mm-hmm. I mean this is the thing people don't really actually understand do they that you know whether it's physical or whether it's emotional um, you're shattering somebody's energy source you know post-traumatic stress is a shattering of energy that energy right. isn't allowed to flow through the the body fluently and uh, with that shattering of that energy you know those it's like shock waves going through it um and that you know those are the triggers that they get um and it's you know immediately you're reminded you know of the right. pain or of the trauma and it's and if you're around people that are on a on a negative vibrational level you know it just takes you right back there and um you can do all the cleansing you like and you'll never get rid of that memory but what you will do is get rid of the pain associated with the memory um so that it doesn't cripple you but you become empowered over it and i don't think people realize that you know your mother was in pain she Mm -hmm. clearly was unhappy and unable to release it unable to speak to it so instead imposed it in a way of getting rid of it and you know this is you know I did a show with somebody who lost 10 family members to alcohol and she at 15 had a drink in her hand and made a conscious decision to put it down and never go down that path uh, because she lost all her immediate family members and and several others Mm -hmm. and you know that cycle of abuse because it is in the DNA it is in the the uh, the cellular memory it is in that uh, pattern that is constantly being repeated and somebody has to stand up and make a conscious decision to break the cycle and to yes. say no more. And, you know, you did. You said, I'm not going to do that because it would be so easy for you to have continued on that path in your own pain, in your own suffering, end up, even though you would never think I would ever do it, um, imposing it upon your own children or your own loved ones because you haven't learned how to release it or handle it or understand it. And so you can understand why abuse keeps going mm. on. Nobody releases it. Nobody changes the cycle. And nobody understands where it's coming from. They just keep on doing it. Right. And, and I think the most, and, and I didn't mention this, I mean, there were several traumatic events. Like when I was three years old, I was in a car accident with my father. Then when I was 10 years old, I was sexually abused by my uncle. And... and it was a horrible experience and at the same time my mom was telling me that she's being forced to have sex with my dad and I was only 10 years old so that really destroyed me yeah and and this uncle was still allowed to come to the house like nothing ever happened so and this what happens to people and my clients because then we internalize this and I was even called names I was called my mom said I was a whore because I started dating but the truth is when you have no love and you live with tension, constantly walking on eggshells, that affects all your relationships, not just intimate relationships, but even relationship with your friends and your coworkers. Mm-hmm. And this happened to me recently when I had I was sexually harassed at work. And and I realized how much that goes back, the roots. I mean, it's no excuse for this person. I have to quit my job, but I think it just only shows how this this has long term consequences and how important this to you know to work with a professional to work with somebody who's been through that it's almost like you are a guide to them because you know what it means is not just a book knowledge but you actually experienced it but the thing is you're going through double pain you're going through the pain of the abuse and then you're going through the pain of the lack of support from your family and you know when your family don't do anything about it when your family then turn around and call you the whore not the person who's victimized you you know your self-worth your uh, um everything about who you think you are or what you stand for you know you feel unloved you feel unworthy um you you feel there's no value because if there was somebody would be fighting for you somebody would be protecting you somebody would be holding that person accountable so it's a double pain the pain that you've got from being victimized but then the pain from the lack of support from people who are meant to love you yeah and and that's really huge because if your own parents don't love you 
I mean, I'm sure they love me in their own way. My Actually, my father passed away, and I think that's really shook up my mom. And we've been on this healing journey. But I was very fortunate that I always am a very kind person. I'm very warm. I always made friends. And also my grandmother, who was my angel, she just died this Christmas. And it was very hard for me because she always told me, Matea, don't worry. You're just going to move as soon as you can, which I did as soon as I finished college. And I moved to the States because I felt I had to go so far to heal, which I did. And I don't think I would be able to heal if I stayed in that environment. So I was fortunate. I had friends and also my grandmother who was always saying, you know, it's not you, it's your mom. She was always like this. Don't worry. There's nothing wrong with you. So one person. So I was blessed. Many of my clients don't even have yeah. anybody. So yeah. I, in that way, I was blessed, I would say. Yeah, because a lot of people that are going through anything, they can't tell anybody. They can't share it with anybody. You know, this is the problem, it's, isn't it? Is that they're, they're in pain, they're in shame, they're in almost denial. Um, you know, they think that they invited what happened to them because nobody else knows or nobody else wants to know. And so they haven't got any of that support. But so before you even get to that root problem, you've got to break through all those barriers of making them feel worthy um, to, you know, learn to love and to like uh, themselves again. It's, it, there's a lot of layers to it, isn't there? Oh, it, it's amazing. I mean, it's ongoing journey. And I used to think, my gosh, what's wrong with me? Why I can't just get this right? But I was always very, in spite of everything, I think I'm a very strong person. And I always was very resourceful. I remember when we came to the States, I actually married an abusive alcoholic, my husband. And instead of me going back home, I said, no, I'm not going to do that. So I got legal advice. And that's when I started going to, I found Al-Anon, which um, if, and I'm sure people know, but it's basically for family and friends of alcoholics, a support right. group based on 12 steps. So, and that's where I started really my spiritual journey because I started going to uh, meditation in the library and, and I started Zen. And from there, I was just, I just embraced my spiritual life and because I think it was also a barrier, like for example, my grandmother was a Roman Catholic, and I think she's one of the most positive people that I know, which is amazing compared to my mom, because my grandmother basically lost my grandfather when she was 30, so she was a widow, she was 30, but she was such a resilience, and I think because she had faith, and I never had that because I was not brought up in any religion, but she would be going to church and she found comfort in that. And for me, I found comfort in my spiritual beliefs and studying Buddhism, mostly Hinduism, and developing my meditation, my spiritual practice. And this was at the core. And then reading books like Louise Hay was my huge, I mean, I think she saved my life because I started reading her books. So she, she was one of my favorite teachers. But I think, you know, the important thing is that we recognize in ourselves that it was not our fault. And I knew that from all along. And even though it was really, really tough because I kept attracting abusive men in my life and, and you know, physically, emotionally, verbally abusive, it's almost like, like you said before, it's a pattern. Yes. And, and if you... You're attracting your father. Yeah, you're attracting your father, you're attracting your mother. Yeah. And when I work with couples, I actually use Imago approach, which is exactly based on that, how we, you know, we attract partners in our life who remind us of our caregivers. And until you heal that, you're going to keep repeating that lesson. And I think I finally got it. Even <laughs> with this last situation, my job, I said, no, Matea, your place is not in the corporate. You don't deserve being pushed around anymore. Enough is enough. You almost kind of have to get angry. Yeah. <laughs> yes. say, enough is enough. I deserve better. Yeah. And that's what I think I'm trying to help my clients with, the same you know, journey, self-love, loving yourself, and, and, and not really paying so much attention when you're now, sometimes your close family members can do the most damage. So you have to find your own family. Like I found my own family, which is ba- made of my friends right here. And and I think that's huge, like you were saying before, the support. It's so important. And and unfortunately, many victims of abuse are, like you said, um, isolated. They don't have resources. They, they are ashamed. They need their jobs. So they stayed in toxic jobs. They stay in toxic marriages or relationships. 
because they, the longer you stay, the worse it gets because you, you have no energy to fight it anymore. So yes. I think if anybody's in this situation, I would say, please get help and please don't wait. Even Don't worry about money. You'll find a way because nothing can give you help back. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I was in a, a kind of a browbeating relationship, so it was all, you know, mental abuse. And, uh, you know, for a long time there, I completely lost connection to my soul. You know, I was kind of a robotic woman, you know, just going through everything. And people thought I was happy because I was still there counseling everybody else. I was still there for everybody else. But I was completely switched off from me. Uh, and I was yeah. not connecting to me because it was my way of hiding away from the pain and the abuse. Because if I thought if I had just a low vibration go under the radar, then I'm not open to attack. Um, of course, that was, you know, stupid thinking because, you know, the attacks still carried on. But right. it took me getting, as you said, getting mad or getting to a point, I'm just not going to take this anymore. I'm going to fight back and, um, right. and take that journey and whatever it else is you need to do and find that courage. And even today, if I find something is difficult, all I do is I look back and go, look where you were. You were a prisoner in your own life. You were in torment. Mm -hmm. You were in fear. You were isolated, but you stood up and you fought for your life. If you could do it then, you can do it now. Um, and you have to get mad enough. You have to get to that point where I am not willing to take this anymore and I am willing to ask for help. But you can't help anyone until they're there. Absolutely, and I think it's so important. I have no shame, but uh, it was hard in the beginning, but now that my I have two books out, and this book, My Journey to Self-Discovery, it took me almost 10 years to write, and, and you know, I was on limited financial resources too, going to grad school, trying to find a job, but it, it's just amazing how this book changed me because it was almost like I said it out to the world because at home, of course, nobody wanted to talk about it. My mom was a teacher, and she told me at what point, you know how they say you don't air dirty laundry, but yes, that's yes. what they say I've heard me. that one. That's, that's a generation yeah. thing, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I just had to. I mean, I think I was so intuitive that I knew that I have to tell people because I refused to be isolated. Of course, it was a very bad situation. And and how can I bring the shame on the family? But, but I said, no, this is not right. And, you know, they wanted to have this facade of a, you know, nice family and yes. all this. My mom was a teacher and two daughters. And and I just refused to play. I became very rebellious. And and I think that saved my life. Yeah. I became, I mean, nothing heavy. I was, was not into drugs or anything like that. But I became rebellious in sense I, I disobeyed their rules. And I did what I felt that was right for me to, you know, to persevere. And and I, I was suicidal when I remember when I was 17, my mom almost locked me up in a psychiatric hospital. And, and psychiatric hospital back home was very old-fashioned, very rigid institution. So this was just horrible. And I said, you know what, this is even more, I'm even more determined to get out of here. So I think... That's what saved my life too, because I said, as soon as I finish my college, I'm out, and that's what I did. And and uh, eventually, my mom had to come around because I moved here and I refused to talk to her for a while. And I think the biggest thing was my father died when I was just here three months, and she got a wake up call. I was gone. My father was gone. It was only my sister. So uh, and it's sad how I see how my whole family was so closed up emotionally. My sister is totally emotionally closed up. She's in a married her college professor, very you know no emotions. She to this day she denies what happened to me, but it was very hard for me. But I had to and say to myself, my sister is totally blocked. My mom is blocked, and it's funny thing. My mom just sent me this book about trauma, and I said, did you read it? Because it was like. You know, textbook trauma situation, and and she said, no, I don't have any problems. So at 17 years old, <laughs> yeah, she still doesn't have a problem. I am the problem. So I said, okay. And we're that's getting a bit of a thumping sound here in the background. There, I'm not sure what is happening. So, um, so Can anyway, we just but 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 that is the problem, though. You see, it, it's it's so much that generation, uh, and and a lot of people today is that if I don't 
look at it therefore it doesn't exist and because mm -hmm. the life she went through is probably the same life her mother went through and her mother went through they don't have anything to compare it with they don't know what joy is they don't know what love is so therefore mm -hmm. they haven't got a problem because that's just life and until they're willing to kind of place that value upon themselves and fight for that joy and understand what love and joy is they don't know any different they just think that's just what life is all about right right and you know and I still say to this day how important it was for, was for me to, to start healing from this and forgiving my mom. I don't think I'm going to be ever able to fully forgive her. But I remember in 98, I took this class, um, a seminar series. It was called Landmark Forum. And that's when I really started working on myself. And a miracle happened because my mom actually sent me a letter and asked me for forgiveness. And that was huge. And so from there, we started building a relationship. And we have a kind of cordial relationship. But I realized I cannot talk about any of these things with her because she is in a complete... I mean, like you said, that's what yeah. she knows. Yeah. And, and, you know, people don't have, they don't have the understanding. So she's not going to change at 70. I had to change. And I'm glad that... And like you said, it, I realized that the reason what I had to go through all this was so I can help other people. And I help over the last 15 years, I help many, many of my clients who are desperate and, you know, suicidal clients who didn't see any hope. And I'm a little bit different than most therapists because I'm also a very intuitive healer. And I do Reiki, I do, I'm an angel card reader. So I had different tools I could help them in a deeper way. Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest tool of all was when I told them, look, I mean, of course, I wouldn't tell them all the details, but I would say, you know, this is what happened to me and this is what helped me. And and they feel really, because of that, they keep coming back because I'm a genuine person. And I'm not saying that every successful therapist has to go for abuse. Yeah. I just think it adds another layer or another angle it, to it's it. It's relatable. And That's the thing is that, you know, I, when somebody comes on and, and, you know, you don't understand. And it's like if you have been through something, and I think this is the reason why we do go through, through things. We have that empathy. We do understand. We know your pain. Uh, and it, through that, we now know how to release it, how to nurture your being so that you can come back to your wholeness. And if, if it's done clinically, as, you know, Western medicine is extremely clinical, it doesn't address the spirit or the psyche. And you have to. You have to get to the soul and the spirit. You can't ignite the heart again without addressing the spirit and the soul. It's so very important. And by you using all of these techniques you're being able to reach all those layers that are needed in order for someone to have that breakthrough and find that that soul connection that heart ignition you know that spirit embracement and until they're able to reach that it's just all clinical so through your techniques that you're doing and what you're offering you're addressing all those many layers that are within them opening up those doors and releasing things so that they can start to feel again and trust their feeling because that's the biggest right. thing isn't it trusting the feeling uh, trusting love again trusting joy again because when you've been hurt you shut down and you don't want to let anything in and that goes for love and joy yeah absolutely and and you know and that's why i mean in a way you know we try to protect ourselves and as children of course we we develop defense mechanisms we mm -hmm. because we cannot believe that our parents don't love us or they don't mean well so we have to see them as you know we depend on them for our survival but that's where i teach my adult clients and this is my biggest mission is is to help as many clients as i as i can especially women i'm very close to working with women although i must say lately i'm be getting more male clients as well but I think the biggest thing is to be for them to be able to understand that they can overcome this and that I'm teaching them how to question those beliefs that are really outdated because as adults, we can change our beliefs. Yeah. We don't have to be victims anymore. Reprogramming, reprogramming. Reprogramming, yeah. yeah. And, 
And that's why I think neuro, I really swear by neurolinguistic programming. I studied hypnosis as well. I mean, there are a lot of wonderful techniques out there, but I'm always I always was like on a mission to to use myself pretty much as a guinea pig and try these techniques. And then yeah. I'm like, go out and get certified and and do it again. My next thing is to study breath work or some kind of uh, energy work because. I realize that's going to even help even more in a profound oh, 100%, 100%. way. Oh, 100%, 100%. And, you know, we, we are energy beings. Everything about us and everything around us is energy. And we all have our own energy signature. And, you know, when it's been damaged, when it's been shattered, it, it loses its rhythm. You know, it loses its flow. And energy must flow. It cannot be stagnant. And when it does become stagnant, that's when you start feeling the pain and the you know, the, the, the whole discord and the whole P, PST and everything else is because the energy is not flowing within you. And you have to release, you know, it's rather like, um, what do you call it, those uh, barges that go down the, the inner rivers. You have to keep releasing the gates in mm -hmm. order for the flow. So it's, you know, using so many different techniques it means that what works on one might not work on the other. And if you've got another right. modality that you can use, you can find out what it is that helps that person. And breath, definitely go and take that one. You'll find amazing results with that. Because, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. air and oxygen is energy. <laughs> exactly. And, I, and what I also do with my clients, which is a very simple technique. I mean, I really want to teach my clients to be, you know, their own, to become their own healers. Yeah. Because I think we all have the capacity you know, to heal, but we are so programmed, especially in the Western society, you just pop a pill, yeah. and, you know, it's not okay to feel sad, and I say, no, you know, all the emotions have validity, emotions are just indicators, pain is an indicator, so what really helps my clients a lot, too, is the emotional freedom technique that yes. is now even recognized by Deepak Chopra, and this is such a simple technique, but it's amazing what we can do with it. And now, that's I, why I, I use this myself, and it's and the beauty mm -hmm. of it is, is that it could be used anywhere. Once you learn this technique, uh, you know you can bring your down from kind of a screaming high, and just bring everything down very, very quickly into that manageable level. And you can do it anywhere, and that's the beauty of it. And it's great to be doing it in the shower with that water conduit as well. Oh yeah. Um, but it's a, such a simple technique that is really brilliant um, and can be used anywhere. So um, a great technique to teach your clients. Yeah, and, and what I even do is um, it's an exercise where they combine uh, affirmations, which are also, also, I think, are very powerful. So combining affirmations with tapping. And, I mean, I think it's just a, such an amazing tool and, and for, you know, on guided meditation, I always tell clients, you know, I try to teach them med meditation and the first step that they're really, because they're not used to it, the best way is to start with um, self-hypnosis, which is basically guided meditation. And I'm actually getting ready to uh, to publish my own CDs because I, I love doing guided meditation. So that's another big tool. So I think it's so important that I have all this variety of tools, like you said, because sometimes some clients are not comfortable with one technique. Like when I work with men, usually they are uncomfortable with the tapping. So I have to do more cognitive behavioral or NLP to guide them through paradoxical interventions. So it really depends. But I think even such a great tool that for kids to learn it and school to deal with their anxiety. I mean, it's such such a huge, huge uh, range of, of situations that you can use it. And, you know, this is the thing is that, you know, the, you know we, we call the show, you know, when Eastern meets Western healing, is that everything has its place, everything has its reason. Uh, and we're, we're never, ever meant to be just stuck in one. Everything, you know, it's rather like your meat and potatoes. You need some spice in there. You need some vegetables in there, you know, and, in order to address the whole, you have to be able to bring the whole to the table. And, you know, there's, you know, Western medicine is pretty good when it comes to somebody's in an immediate trauma, something's really happened mm -hmm. to them. And, you know, and, and the kind of the techniques of the drugs and things that they need at that moment to 
to kind of just take them out of that trauma. But then it needs to be going into that Eastern approach of how to release the trauma, how to manage it. Now, let's be absolutely frank here. When you've had some form of trauma in your life, you're never going to forget it. It's always going to be there. But two things are going to come out of healing is one is forgiving, which you have to do for yourself to move on. And the other one is um, not giving it the fuel, not giving it the energy. It happened to you. You can look at it matter of fact. You know your triggers. You know you don't want to go there anymore. But you no longer give it the emotion. So it can't hurt you. And it's learning those techniques to empower you and not empower the trauma. Absolutely. And and it's all right what you said because, and that's why my, I mean, I'm creating a, like online class, it's going to be a six weeks class, which is going to take people from victimhood to reclaiming your authentic self. And that's a big part of it that I even happened to me and I didn't realize that, you know, I'm still walking around with that victim stance and I realized I don't want to live my life like anymore. I want to be happy. I'm getting a dog. Like I would highly recommend pets, especially dogs. And I would highly recommend going out to nature. Nature is the best healer. I mean, go and hug a tree. That's what I do sometimes. So go for a walk. Every morning, for example, I have my ritual where I do my meditation. I actually do primordial sound meditation by Deepak Chopra that I've been doing now for a while. But, you know, everybody can find their own way of meditation. It doesn't have to be sitting meditation. It could be a walking meditation. Yes. It could be art. It could be some people really get into the flow, like I say, um, by jogging or just something that yes. they're not in the head. Yes. You get grounded and you get connected because we are really all connected. And we may not see it like that, but we are all connected with nature. And, and if we could just do that, we wouldn't need so much medication. And, you know, there's a lot of controversy about, for example, medical marijuana. And I as a substance, working in a substance use field even, it's so much stigma there. And and lately I'm very happy because there's more research coming out how, you know, this is going to help so many people. Of course, I'm not going to say it's for everybody or even especially not for, t- you know, children or teenagers, but I think there's such a huge potential. Something that has been done for so many hundreds of years, centuries, and we need to go back to that and yes. stop popping the pills who give us side effects. I mean, I put on at one point, I was taking antidepressants, I put almost 20 pounds on, and I was miserable. And I said, this is no way to live. And that's why I think we can call it integrated medicine. That's what I really believe on, because, you know, I did get some, I do see value in certain, like I especially use cognitive behavioral approach or solution focused. But I think just going back to the past and rehashing it, it's not helpful. No. We need to understand it. But then, like you said, we need to move on and try to stay in the present and enjoy. You know, we don't know how much longer we're going to be here. Anything can happen. So it's so important to, to understand that, that we are not the victims anymore. Enjoy Maybe the, we yeah. were the victims, but not anymore. Yeah. Enjoy the gift of the present. And that's the thing. You've got the now. Um, you know, there was somebody I interviewed who was a pastor at his church and his a pregnant wife and two kids and himself were in a car where he got hit head on and his wife and two kids were killed so he lost four ma- family members right there and uh, and yet God spoke to him and said let it go and he ended up forgiving the young 17 year old who just made a very stupid mistake um, mm-hmm. and uh, and said that you know that he cannot be uh, preaching at, at church about the power of love and forgiveness if he didn't do it himself and, you know, that is so powerful. And, you know, can we do that? I don't know. I never want to be in that position to answer that. But I think we have to look to ourselves and understand that if we don't forgive, you know, we're never going to forget. It's going to be there. But if we don't forgive, we're still prisoners of it. And that forgiveness is a release. It's a way of letting go. And, you know, in the case of your mother, she knew nothing different. She was a reaction to her own life. Right. And, and she passed that reaction on to you. And, you know, she probably was even unaware of the pain that she was causing you. And hence the reason why she asked for forgiveness. Right? Yeah, she did. And and I think she told me finally that 
she said, I still have nightmares, you know, when I was sharing before when she, this was the worst memory, when she actually got in a rage and I was, I just kind of froze, but she has a lot of, uh, you know, guilt about it and, and, but at some point, like you said, I had to let it go and I said, you know, no matter how terrible it was for me, I had to let it go because otherwise I wouldn't be able to help anybody and like your pastor. I mean, it's easier said than done, but you know, that's the only way for me yeah. is to find peace and be to have peace in life and and you know, it can go two ways when people are abused. Either they become aggressors like my mom or like me. I my I made it my mission and I knew very early in life I think I was in a closet for a long time, but I remember even as a child I was getting messages from angels. I was very intuitive. And and unfortunately, I would also have nightmares. And now, you know, looking back, it all makes sense because I was really, I was really told I was a natural born healer and I followed my grandmother. And I mean, it was just amazing. I mean, that's what I think is the biggest thing that you can turn it around. And like so many other people like Wayne Dyer who grew up in an orphanage or Louise Hay or Marianne Williamson, all these people had to go through their own yeah. suffering. And that's why they were able to inspire so many people and really show them the, the way. And I think that's my mission. And I don't have my own children also because I was always worried, you know, what if I have children? I mean, I never really felt seriously that I would be like my mom. But there was some fear about that. And, I mean, there were other reasons. But I feel like, you know, this is why I'm here. Maybe it's not to have family and kids, but I'm here to help people. And and uh, I could do it for free if I could, but of course we yes. have to pay the bills. Yeah, exactly. But I and, feel and very also, strongly. Yeah, mm -hmm. and that's so important, you know, people understand because there is this whole hoo-ha about if you're doing spiritual teachings, then it should be just done in divine free, you know, free. Uh, no, we are human beings and we have every right to live a dignified life, and so we should be paid for our services, and that's a no-brainer. Um, I'm going to, you know, go back to. Uh, to your mum there uh, kind of triggered a memory of, of my mum and it's you know it I look at my mum's life and the kind of life she had and so of course she brought me up in what she understood what motherhood was and I remember her with me one time with my children and she said you raise your children the way you wish you had been raised and mm -hmm. she recognized that and it's because um, I was you know very hands-on lovey cuddly you know, uh, but at the same time, I allowed my children to have freedom to make mistakes, and I was there to help them pick themselves back up again and learn from that mistake. Um, That's wonderful. But mm -hmm. you know, I, I made a choice to raise my children differently, but I unaware was still the kind of the martyr, or had the lack of self worth. I poured it into my children, but I still carried that within myself. So as much as I was empowering them, I was forgetting to empower me. And mm -hmm. that's something we cannot forget. We cannot, we cannot be that, um, that inspiration to our children until we come, become an inspiration to ourselves. Absolutely. And I think that's why they say, you know, you can't really love somebody unless you love yourself. Uh -huh. And for the longest time, I didn't understand it. And now I do. And that sometimes means you have to leave that relationship or job or whatever because you need to put yourself and your health first. And and like I say to my clients, you know, even if your mom, you know how they tell you when you're on an airplane, they say you, you, you want to put oxygen mask on yourself yes. first. Because yes. otherwise you can't help anybody if you're miserable and anxious and worried and you feel bad about yourself. I so. become sick. I mean, that was my case. I became very, very sick. And and it was, you know, it was it was my kids that came to me and said, Mom, get a divorce. Mm -hmm. You know, we're tired of seeing you living in such misery. It's time to get a divorce and have your own life. And, you know, wow. I, I was mm -hmm. living the sacral, you know, the sacrificing life of a mother. You know, my children come first. And my children yeah. were saying, forget that. We don't want to see you in this pain. And so we That's forget, wonderful. we forget that. Carrying that pain that you're carrying around with you is having effect on the people that you love. So you owe it to yourself to release it, to embrace your wholeness, to discover who you are and embrace your possibilities and let go of the pain. Because otherwise, 
you're you're unknowingly and unwittingly hurting the people around you. Right, that's absolutely true, and that's so wonderful that your children would recognize that. But because you raised them the way you did, they were able to see that, and I think that's a wonderful, um, you know, heritage, so to speak, uh -huh. that your children are going to carry on. Yeah, got very strong-willed children. I wonder where they got that from. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, again, it's I think life. We also have to understand is we're going to make mistakes. We're going to react to a, a moment, a situation coming from who we are in that moment. And it may be later we look at it and go, I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I hadn't reacted that way. I wish I hadn't been that way. And, you know, it's lighten up. You're aware that it happened. If there's an apology to be made, make it. And uh, let go and move on. And But we take on so much guilt, don't we? And so much right. shame. Mm -hmm. And uh, how can you learn to love and value yourself until you release that guilt and that shame and that trauma? Absolutely. And, and I became a big perfectionist because I think, you know, all my life in trying to please my mom, but it's all, of course, it's impossible. No, no. So, so you, you only have, really, you have to please yourself. And I think, you know, and I'm just reading this book and it is so many you know, addictions is the root cause is mostly traced back to trauma because, you know, it's self-medication. You don't want to experience those feelings of yeah. pain. So it's it's a very tough work to to release that trauma because a lot of people are going to be self-medicating, especially with alcohol that's socially acceptable and, and it can do so much damage. So I think I really want... To see people really take a stand for themselves and and say you know I'm not a victim I am a creator I'm not a victim and I can create that that's my motto I can create the life I want and yes maybe you don't get me the results you go for financial hardship which happened to me after um, the last job when you're talking about illness I almost developed an ulcer because I couldn't tolerate the harsh toxic environment and backstabbing and I was just like no I mean, it was not easy, but in retrospect, it saved my life because who knows? I mean, there's so much cancer. Yes. And that's really, cancer is a really emotional disease. Absolutely. In my opinion. Yeah, it is. So we need to take care of ourselves. And I think that's, that's the message. What we're talking about today, you know, self-journey, our journey to self-discovery is really about going back to yourself and who you are because I say, you know, you are a spiritual being living a human experience. And like you said, the Western medicine really just focuses on the physical and not the spiritual part or emotional part as much. Right. And that's key if we want to be whole beings and, and be successful and happy in life. I mean, the first step to placing value upon yourself is to realize you're in a situation that is detrimental to you. So you leaving that job, you had to in order to honor who you were. If not, you would have got caught up in that horrible cycle where, you know, illness would have taken place, of course, more trauma taking place, and, you know, a complete breakdown of your whole system. So right. to recognize something is harming you. If, if somebody came out and physically attacked you, there would be accountability and there would, there would be a, a defense. When people... Right. Uh, what I call browbeat you or it's a verbal abuse or it's an intimidation it's not so obvious mm -hmm. and it's a little hard to defend on but if you don't stand tall up against it and say no I am worth more than this I'm not going to tolerate this you know that is part of your first part of your journey I will not tolerate this anymore I am worth more than this treatment and that's your first step to your recovery is by saying I'm worth more Absolutely. And like I said, <laughs> I think you even have this quote because I came up with this quote one day because I was getting frustrated with the credit score and all that. And I'm like, you know, you are not your credit score, or your bank account. Yeah. This is not who you are. You are not even your job. You're not the role that you play. You are simply a spiritual being who's going through these experiences. And we all need to discover the reason why we are here. I mean, I'm very blessed. I discovered my reason pretty early in life. And I like to help people discover their reason because we all have our gifts. And, you know, and then we think, oh, I have to get this job even though I hate it because I have to pay my bills. 
but you have to do the first step. Maybe, you know, you find a part-time job or a hobby that you enjoy, but if you, you can't just cut yourself off like that because it's going to sooner or later end in illness, and which is preventable. Well, you have another quote, which we have here on the posting is, when you are joy, joy follows you around and you attract the people who are just like you. So don't sweat the small stuff. And I think as human beings, we're inclined to, you know, Mm -hmm. that little thing that irritates us and we nurture it and we rub it and we make it into a big thing. And the next thing you know, it's become a disease. And that is that small stuff that we have irritated because we couldn't let it go. We couldn't just deal with it. And uh, the old stitch in time, right, saves nine. And so deal with the stuff that's aggravating you head on. And is it worth getting upset about? Is there anything you could do to change it? Can you even just change your approach to it? And deal with it head on before you allow it to become so big. And you will have around you and you will get what you're projecting. And if you're projecting misery or distrust or anger, that's what you're going to get back. If you're projecting joy and an embracement of life and a gratitude for life, that's what you're going to attract back. Absolutely. And I've been listening to Esther and Jerry Hicks. I remember I was driving to work. I would always use those times just to, you know, like reprogramming. I, I'm calling it brain positive brainwashing, but it's really reprogramming because, you know, and, and I will say one thing with affirmations too, which sometimes people don't understand, you know, it's not enough just to repeat those informations. First, you have to understand what's wrong. Yeah. And if you're just kind of putting that on top of everything without really having insight, it's not going to work. That's why some people get frustrated and say, oh, it doesn't work. But there's a reason why it doesn't work, because you first you have to look at those beliefs. What are those beliefs? You know, what what brought me to this point? What does this situation remind me of? And that's what I teach my clients. And then the positive information will work because you're going to start creating a new identity, really. Yeah, you've or, opened or, up those channels. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I always say find something to believe in, act on that belief, and then commit to that action. And, you know, right. one of the things that's going to happen on your journey, uh, and this is true of everything, it, it may hurt more before it hurts less. Right. And you've got to be willing and you must commit to that journey in order to break through it. There is no downloadable app. There is no quick pill that's going to resolve everything. It is a journey, and the more you participate in it, the more you um, um, act in it, uh, in the more results you're going to see. But if you're unwilling to invest in yourself and unwilling to invest the time and the, and the process, you're not going to get the results. So it's really up to you as the individual, isn't it? It's very much so, and... and you know, sometimes also I see all this. I mean, I'm not saying there are some great life coaches, but, you know, people, especially here in the States, I feel like, you know, they just want a quick fix. They would go to a life coach to fix them, you know, two sessions, I don't know what, but they don't want to deal. They don't want to look in the pain. And like you said, you have to look at that pain. Yeah. There's just no way around it. Yeah, you're going to feel worse in the beginning, but that's why sometimes... I don't recommend seeing a life coach until if you have a serious trauma or mental illness. And and it's so important that you look at that and, and that you commit to change. And I really don't work with clients who don't commit to at least minimum eight sessions yep. and who are committed to coming. If you're going to keep canceling, that's not, I'm not the right person for you because you're not ready for me. I, I go very deep. <laughs> and that is that you have to be willing to take the journey. I'm sorry, there is no quick fix. Uh, you know, and, and the more the mess your life is, the more it's going to take to undo. And, you know, there are some places, you know, I remember going to a particular workshop with somebody and, and she said, I want you to come with this, you know, this guy holds, it was a fibromyalgia clinic. And all this guy did all the way through is, I know it's painful. I know you're tired. I know it's hard. And I kept listening. And I said, mm. I'm not going to say anything. And eventually I had to. I had to say <laughs> something. I had to say, but 
isn't the results we get out of life of what we feed. If we keep feeding the pain, if we keep feeding the misery, if we keep feeding that, that's all that's going to be. How about we change our perspective on it and say, I'm not going to feed you, I'm not going to, I'm going to nurture right. your healing. And he just looked at me in horror because his existence was to keep people in misery because they kept coming back. <laughs> right. Right. So you I, have to yes. really look at you know the person that's there to help you. Are they there to help you to set you free? Or are they there to help you to keep you on the hook that you keep coming back? So you need to yeah. do your due diligence. Absolutely. And that, for example, I, I really think there's a big value in 12 steps. But what I didn't like about it, and I'm not saying everybody's like that, you know, but many times these people are coming for 20 years and you just keep rehashing yeah. the same story. Yeah. What have you done yes. about it? <laughs> not just, I mean, we do all need, I, I still sometimes have to vent, but it's not like an everyday practice. And that's why I had to let go of so many friends, even once 20 years, because I couldn't deal with that negativity and constant complaint. I mean, you know, it's just not healthy. And that's why I think those 12 steps sometimes I'm not sure about it because they keep people, like you said, they keep people in this negative pattern. And I, I just think it's why not invent a new life for yourself? Why, yeah. you know, it's not working. Today, right. Yeah. It's not working. Fix it. You right? would your car. You would anything in the household. If the roof is falling down, you would fix it. You know, uh, the plumbing's not working. You would fix it. So look right. to yourself. What's breaking down? And fix it. Stop worrying about it and telling everybody about it as it crumbles down around you. Get out there and fix yeah. it. Exactly. And that's why people need because sometimes they need tough love. And I, I think that's, that's also important because most people would just like refer to complain and not do anything about it. So I'm saying to them, okay, if you're going to be with me, get ready because I'm going to make you work. I'm going to give you homework assignment. You're going to have to practice your skills every day. And that's the only way it's going to work. If you just, yes, I can be compassionate, but I don't want to take your money if you're not going to do anything yeah. about it. If you just come here to vent, no. Yeah. Then yeah. you need somebody else. Maybe you can talk to a friend. But, you know, I'm here, I'm really here to help you get a transformation and get you back where you need to be. Exactly. And, and you know, you've got to kind of go through it. You know, you've got to go through it. You know, you've got these uh, weight loss shows and they show, you know, people pushing through and pushing through. You've got to be willing to do that. And But the, what you mm -hmm. discover about yourself and who you become afterwards when you've let go and you've found this discovery of who you are, what your gift is, what you're here to do, that embracement of who you are afterwards is absolutely worth it. Because now you actually understand that age-old question, what's life all about? What are we here for? Well, when you discover who you are and what you're here for, now you can get on with living life and let go of all the stuff that does not serve you. But you've got to be willing to go through the process in order to get to that point. So having said that, how do people find you and uh, the services that you offer? Sure. I think um, this day social media is so important. So I'm basically on all social media from Facebook, to Twitter, to YouTube, and it's going to be posted. But my website is called Natural Stress Management. And this doesn't mean I just do stress management. That's what I have for the website, but there is a description of my service. So naturalstressmanagement.com. And I also have a phone number, which is 561-299-1028. And um, so basically the best way is I guess go to my website and there's all information there and links to social media. And I also, I'm doing a lot of different things, always new events, like I've been doing teleclasses. We actually just had our last one. We're going to resume in the fall. And I always want to give people a taste of how I work because I wouldn't expect anybody just to hire me on the spot. They want to listen to my videos on the website. They want to attend my teleclasses. And I offer a free consultation. So... And I'm I'm passionate about my work, and I just I just want to be of service. That's pretty much what it is my life about. Wonderful, and you know, thank you for being of service because this is what we need. We're never meant to go through anything alone, but we have to uh, think alone. 
in the sense of that me myself and I I need to nurture me I need to love me I need to place importance upon me because mm-hmm. until I am whole until I am full I've got nothing to give anybody else so there is that importance you need to place upon your own well-being your own wholeness of life and when you do that you now know I have the energy and the abundance and the fortitude to help other people so uh, you're not meant to go through the process alone. There is somebody out there to help you. Um, check out to Matea's website, naturalstressmanagement.com. And you know what? Stress is on every level, whether it's from a trauma, whether it's from an injury, or just from living. Uh, right. It's putting a stress on your entire body, psyche, and, and well-being. So um, getting rid of that stress, no matter what's causing it, is essential to you embracing what your meaningful purpose is in life. So reach out to her, naturalstressmanagement.com. See if she's a fit for you. She's certainly got the passion and the conviction. She's had the journey. She knows what it's like. And she's here to help you stand on your own two feet, embracing your own life and living your own meaningful purpose. So thank you very much for being with us today, Matea. It's my pleasure, Sarah. And by the way, I... I am uh, also available on Skype sessions, so it doesn't matter where you live, I can help you. (laughs) But thank you so much for having the show. I really enjoyed it and always enjoy networking and talking to like-minded people. So thank you so much, Sarah, and I'm sure we'll keep in touch. Most certainly we will. Most certainly we will. So, folks, remember, there's always help out there. There are solutions out there. There are wonderful tools out there. You are meant to be this whole beautiful, abundant person. But it all starts with you making the choice to embrace your own life and willing to do the work. It's all up to you. So start now. Until next time.